Hey there, thanks for clicking on the First Arizona Bees podcast, brought to you by the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association. We hope this podcast will answer questions about the beekeeping industry in Southern Arizona, including Pima, Cochise, and Santa Cruz counties. It will be educational and hopefully will inspire others to take up beekeeping because we can never have too many pollinators. In this podcast, we'll be speaking with Will Fritz, the president of the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association, as well as Monica King, the vice president of the association. So, Will, how long have you been managing bees and producing great Arizona honey? I've been a beekeeper about 16 or 17 years, and I've been doing it as a business for probably maybe a little more than 10 years. But I started with two hives in my backyard and over time grew from a couple of hives into now I'm at about 350 colonies. And I'm a full-time beekeeper. I do almond pollination and honey production, and that's how I survive. So you're more or less a commercial beekeeper, right? Yeah, I, a lot of people would probably call me a sideliner based on my size, but I make a living doing it, so I consider myself a commercial beekeeper. But I'm definitely a small commercial beekeeper. Will, can you tell us a little more about managing bees in Arizona? Arizona can be a great place or a very difficult place to keep bees. It is a very challenging place to keep bees because we are in a desert. We don't have an abundance of plants and flowering plants uh, year-round. It is good years in beekeeping are very weather-dependent. The more it rains, the easier it is to keep bees in Arizona. You know, on wet years, we can have 12 months of continuous wildflower forage uh, in Arizona, but that is very rare. Almost never does it rain that much, which means that we get a midsummer dearth um, and a midsummer uh, heat. Um, So... uh, uh, you know, you you manage your bees from about June until September, usually in about 105 to 110 degree temperatures in a dearth. And so it's a very challenging place to keep bees through the summer. Very mild winters where brood rearing doesn't completely shut down. So we don't have harsh winters, but we also don't get brood breaks from mites and things like that. So it, it can be easier in some ways, but much more difficult than others. Um, and then, of course, I think the big thing that differentiates us is the prevalence of Africanized bees in our area. So you can't open make queens and a really Africanized bees uh, make their way into your operation, whether you like it or not, in our area. And that's kind of big factor. Will, can you expound on that a little bit? Beekeeping in Africanized bee areas, such as the area around Tucson. Beekeeping done irresponsibly in Africanized territory uh, can lead to some very dangerous situations. And we're trying to make beekeepers not bee havers, especially important to be diligent in our area because you can create some very dangerous situations through neglect if things go poorly. So now we're turning to you, Monica King. You're vice president of the association, and your operation is quite different from Will's, isn't it? Yes, very different. Um, I also make all my money from beekeeping, but I'm definitely not a sideliner or commercial beekeeper because I mostly do bee removals and education. So, and I'm third generation. I moved out to Arizona around 1994 thinking that, hey, I'm going to try to raise queen bees and stuff like that. And that didn't work because that's what my family does. As Will mentioned, the Africanized bees are prevalent and I couldn't get control of even the valley that I would live in. So, I went into more education. So I do live bee removals, take them out to my apiary, requeen them so that their genetics change, and then I sell those nukes back to my students, and so and the cycle continues. Well, you heard Monica say the word nuke. Basically, it's a small colony of bees along with a queen. It's the perfect nucleus for a new colony. 
So Monica, can you tell us more about your bee removal service? Right, so this year has been phenomenal on the amount of calls that we're getting in. I'm literally booked a week in advance this year, and I'm doing one to three cutouts a day. I'm actually passing the swarm calls on to my students because I don't have time to even chase the swarms. So people call me when they're in an unwanted location, you know, irrigation box, roof rafters, places like that, and then I will go and remove them alive. When you do cutouts the way Monica has, as many cutouts as she has for as many years as she has, she's gotten to see what bees do when left to their own devices and you know the cavities that they build and the comb patterns that they make and just what what do wild bees do and there are a lot of people with a lot of extensive beekeeping experience that don't really know what a what a beehive will do if left in an open cavity rather than given frames and foundation and it's a you know it's a unique set of experience. Will can you tell us more about the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association? So the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association used to exist many, many years back before I ever started beekeeping or knew anything about it. And that was at a time before Africanized bees really kind of took over and the beekeeping industry was much better here in Southern Arizona. There were more people making a living at beekeeping or, or you know, using it as a, a sideline kind of income. And then when the arrival of Africanized bees, a lot of people that were doing it casually or even professionally moved away from it with the, you know, arrival of Africanized bees. So just the number of people who kept bees in Southern Arizona really kind of shrunk there for a while. And then around the time that colony collapse disorder appeared around the mid 2000s, 2006 is when colony collapse disorder appeared and it really came into the public consciousness that honeybees were important and that they were dying and that's when the public interest in beekeeping started to to really uh, re-emerge um, and the club formed maybe a few years after that in the 2010 you know around 2010 or 2012 somewhere in that region I want to say is when the club started and it was in response to the fact that there were suddenly a lot more people in Tucson interested in keeping bees in their backyard after learning about colony collapse disorder in the the plight of the honeybees. So really we made the club in response to the fact that there was suddenly a renewed interest in beekeeping in our area. And because Tucson has Africanized bees and has a very unique climate, the me methodology for keeping bees in our area is a little bit different. And so having a local club where you can learn about how to deal with Africanized bees and how to deal with a winter where the you know where you can fly every day and, and where it'll sometimes be 65 or 70 degrees on a winter day um, and you know how do you manage bees through a winter like that and so so yeah so the club really came back in response uh, to the kind of growing popularity of, of beekeeping in the public and it has really continued ever since then beekeeping has become more and more popular and it just I feel like during the pandemic there was another surge when a lot of people found themselves with extra time when they were at home during the pandemic and people that maybe beekeeping at always been in the back of their mind suddenly thought now's my time to do it and so I feel like oh from 2006 to now there have been several waves of beekeeping popularity but it has been consistently growing more and more popular in the last 15 years or so. Monica can you tell us more about the variety of membership in the club? Yes, we have a large variety that run anything from the typical Langstroth hive to some of the more 
unique hives like top bar and lands and flow hives and things like that. So we try to uh, make sure that our club surrounds all of those techniques. And, you know, we have individuals from one hive to eight hives to like Will 350 kind of thing. And so one big thing as the community, we like to try to help each other. So if their hives become Africanized in their backyards, safety is the number one. It's the most important to us beekeepers. And so we don't want to put anybody in jeopardy and so we will like get together and remove those hives from a a potentially dangerous situation until the hives are returned back to European and so that's something that the club like strives on is the education and uh, a beekeeper not just a bee haver you can't just throw these bees in your backyard like you used to maybe 50 years ago and and go harvest honey now you have to be hands-on all the time making sure your queen is the one that you put in there is a European queen so that uh we're doing the right service to the public. Well, Monica, would you say the more beekeepers in southern Arizona, the better? Oh, I would say. I mean, it gives us a genetic diversity for yeah. sure. How many members are part of the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association? So we have about 115 to 120 members, and that's not including the family. We count a family membership as one also. The youngest beekeeper we have right now is 11 years old. So yeah, we're pretty proud of him. He's great. So the Southern Arizona Beekeepers Association has monthly meetings, right? Our meetings are the second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. For more information, go to southernazbeekeepers.org. Again, southernazbeekeepers.org.